This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Uh, we're here with another episode uh, for you. I'm here with Dr. Snacksmell, Garrett hey, Blackwell, <laughs> and um, I almost called you Dr. Snackwell, which would be like no, that's that's a third me. a third edition. That's though. right. That could be like your third alias. Yeah, you know, like if you had another alias, also also known as yeah, also also known as. <laughs> And um, we're excited to have uh, an artist that uh, both Gareth and I are, are uh, unabashedly fans of. Yes. Taylor White with us. Um, we've spent probably too much time staring at his Instagram page <laughs> over the last couple of years. And with an admixture of like just bewilderment and laughter and uh, <laughs> just like, dang, I need to see this in person. Yeah. Like yeah. kind of like playing those three notes over and over again. So anyhow, uh, welcome, Taylor. We're, yeah. we're super glad to have you. Welcome, man. man. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, man, so we just want to jump in. like, um, And w- when we have podcast episodes, we normally like to hear just like like how you got started. You know, like where, where, where did this start? Because the way we know you is, um, the way I know you is Ashlyn Browning. Mm-hmm. Um, is an artist in North Carolina that we exhibited uh, and had, had been having a conversation with a couple years ago. And so she was like, um, sent me like a dream list of like, hey, if I were to be in a group show as opposed to a solo show, here's some people I would love to show or I would love to show with. And um, in that list was you. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's kind <laughs> of this strange, like, so you were on like her dream list of like, hey, if you can work this out. And then I saw your work. I was like, crap. I was like, where, where is this guy? <laughs> and then, uh, then it's like, he's in Richmond. I'm like, how do I not, like, how, I was embarrassed. I was like, how do I not know this? Well, like, I haven't been here very long. Okay. So yeah, I've only been here for like a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Okay. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, like, uh, that's, how I, that's how I was introduced to your work. Sure. And then it was like um, constant hawking the new work <laughs> popping up on 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 Instagram, and then I think we talked whenever that was. I, I yeah. just got to meet you, and so um, so that's kind of like our introduction uh, to you was through another artist that we ended up exhibiting. I think about a year ago. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Her work's really cool. I, yeah. I like Ashlyn Ashlyn's work. I I follow her on Instagram. Um, I guess uh, for for me, I got started with uh, I, I got started late. Uh, like kind of making art mm-hmm. in a, in a, I guess in a, in a routine fashion uh, I got started at like 34 35 years old and um, I I as I had gotten out of the military I was in the Marine Corps for a uh, for about a about a decade and uh, and then I kind of I got out and I did some other stuff and and I didn't kind of find my footing and didn't feel right you know and, and so I decided to go to college and um, I went to college uh, originally for like psychology. I thought I was gonna be like a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a bad idea with me. But so, um, and then I realized that uh, well, I, I started taking these these uh, what do you call it like introductory art classes, like uh, electives, mm-hmm. you know. And it was like that that one crash course class you have to take um, that kind of weeds out all the people that aren't actually serious about making art, you know, yeah. it's like the yeah, foundation yeah. course or whatever. Yep. And so I took that and I, um, it was as, as soon as I walked into the building and saw like the whole culture of the place, the way it smells, the, uh, 
the way it sounds, the the way the professors like look and 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 carry themselves, it's all totally different than the rest of college. And I yep. was just like, this is college, like this is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And um, and then when I realized like how subjective everything was, that there weren't really any like technically wrong like answers, and it also wasn't really even. Um, you you weren't necessarily successful if you worked real hard, mm-hmm. and so like effort was also, you know, suspect sometimes. Yeah. And so, I was fascinated with this. It was like somebody gave me some addictive drug or something, and I was just like, I gotta have more of this. And so, I I changed my my major over to that, you know, and then it kind of just started to slowly take over my life and took over my house and <laughs> took over my, my, my basement and uh, my laundry room and all this kind of stuff. And, and so, uh, uh, I eventually had to, to move to get a, a bigger, uh, studio space. And, uh, and that's how I ended up in Richmond. Gotcha. And I came down here and I, I, um, so you moved here too because of the, just because of the opportunity to get a, a reasonable studio space. Yeah. And yeah. We were in this living. Yeah, we were in this like suburban town um, uh, called Stafford, Virginia, mm-hmm. up by Fredericksburg. Yeah, and uh, it, it was just you know a bunch of neighborhoods with cul-de-sacs and yep. stuff, and it was just super boring. Yeah, and so we we would come down here every once in a while, and we thought it was really cool. So I um, yeah, I found this great space, and there's uh, this developer down here. Uh, I got I got hooked up with with her. her name's uh, Margaret uh, Freund, mm-hmm. and uh, she owns this place called uh, Artisan Hill, and it's um, or it's like on Fulton Hill. Yep. On the mm-hmm. on the what is it, the east side mm-hmm. of the city. And so uh yeah, I got hooked up with her and I found this great space and uh and I just really like her. And so um yeah. So I found this great space down here and decided that this is the place for me. Yeah. And it's kind of just urban enough right. to keep me interested, but not so much like New York City where it can feel like kind of suffocating unless you're like totally from there or like adapted to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I definitely yeah. think that's what kept, we came from California, my wife and I, and we didn't come here to stay here. Right. But there was something about this. I mean, it was like multiple factors One, we were dead broke, but two, um, like dead broke here was a lot different than dead broke in New York, mm-hmm. um, for us at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and there's some other community factors that were huge. And, um, but yeah, so we stayed here because of kind of like what you're saying, man, it was like, enough of an urban context, enough of a city context, but not so much that I was being just like completely like the cadence or the, the, the pacing of the city wasn't dictating my life to such an extent that I didn't have one. Right. You know? Right. It was like, it wasn't being overwhelmed by it. And I was like, you know what? I think at this point, this is as good a place as any to make a go at all the things that we had been dreaming about or wanting to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hence why we're here. I mean, you know, why things have gone the way they've gone. Um, so, did you have any, I mean, like, so when you were, I mean, when you were a kid, did you draw, did you make, was it like oh, yeah, Legos? Oh, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't like, go back far enough. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, no, just curious, I mean, like, so, so yeah. yeah. I, yeah, you yeah. know, I grew, I don't have any siblings, and I, and I, so I, you know, grew up kind of by myself a lot, and, uh, and I had friends and stuff in my neighborhood, but um, I spent a lot of time by myself drawing, like mm-hmm. kids do, and, and uh, I was, I was really interested in drawing, um, kind of mechanical things, sports cars and stuff. I was really obsessed with trying to draw the Porsche 911 mm. for a long time, and it was really hard because the curves are really hard <laughs> to get accurate. Yes. It's a curvy car, and it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I got uh, also into drawing 
uh, like the Lamborghini Countach mm-hmm. and the Gosh. like the Ferrari Testarossa. Man. I'm having like flashbacks oh, yeah. right now. You're like you're describing second grade for me. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. unlocking like a part of my brain that I'd forgotten about yeah, yeah. in a way. Yes. I started drawing those. I was drawing those things all I the time. I sucked at that stuff so bad. Yeah, and I started like you know I would I would find these books that taught you how to draw cars like that yeah. and how to use like kind of what do you call it, vanishing points and like yeah. like like real perspective drawing. And so uh, I got really into that, and I started drawing. Um, uh, like architecture drawings of houses and stuff with, you know, perspective and like hyper detailed, you know, with like a mechanical pencil and yeah. like, like every little brick um, uh, accounted for. And, uh, and so I, I was really into that type of art when I was a kid, I wasn't interested in abstraction and I did, I actually had never even seen it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't grow up going to art galleries or museums or any of that stuff. I had no idea what any of it really was. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I thought I thought like art was like old paintings and museums and like gold frames that were like kind of brown, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything beyond that. And you're supposed yeah. to be like real quiet in there, and yeah, like really a boring. library. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really yeah. boring to me. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. And um, I spent a lot of time doing that um, and kind of soloist solo pursuits like skateboarding, mm. things that didn't involve teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so. Um, yeah, and I eventually, I mean, I was a terrible high school student, and I just had no, I had no discipline, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I was just interested in skateboarding and playing mm-hmm. playing guitar and all that kind of stuff, so I got out of high school and didn't know what to do with myself and started to, like, learn to become an auto mechanic, and then I met these these guys that had been in the Marines that were auto mechanics, and and I was just like, I would, I would listen to their stories about Vietnam and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I was just fascinated with this whole idea. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, so I signed up and I went off to the Marines, and then, you know, that kind of took over everything. And then you come, you're, so you're like 34 or 35, and you're in school, and you're shifting from psychology to art. <laughs> and then how quickly did it, like, I know you said it took over your house, but, like, was there a... Um, was there some kind of external confirmation? Like, did somebody go like, hey, you have a thing or something? I mean, or was it was it self-confirmed for you that, like, I got to do this. I got to keep doing this. Um, I mean, like, how, how did that transition happen? I mean, were you looking at stuff? Like, yeah, well, I, I had this I had some really great teachers. I, mm-hmm. I had these really I had these really, really great professors. And um, <clears throat> a lot of them were often kind of conflicted about what. Uh, they were kind of in disagreement about the best way to access me or to tell me what I should do or whatever. And they would kind of be in conflict about that, um, at times. And, but that conflict was really important for me, mm-hmm. like, uh, cause I realized I couldn't please all of them at once. And so sometimes that leads you into uh, interesting ways of constructing something like, what if I do try to like satisfy everyone at once you know like like uh like you've heard of like the idea of the camel like the camel being a horse that's designed by a committee Uh no (laughs) i'm not but that's hilarious so like you know like yeah we'll put these legs on it and then it carries its own water and and but you know when you look at it you're like look how crazy this animal looks yeah it doesn't look like a horse yeah (laughs) so anyway uh um so yeah, I had these great teachers that were that were super um, encouraging and stuff, and uh, had this had this um, this fantastic um, painting and drawing professor named uh, Joseph DeBella, and uh, he had been teaching for like 
I don't know, like 40 years or something. And he was, he was just extremely, uh, a great natural, like kind of teacher, mentor kind of figure. And, uh, he got me really excited about it because I was really intimidated by painting and because I thought it was all like kind of colored theory and like Mm -hmm. mixing and blending things together. And like, I, it would really frustrate me. So I I would just always wanted to stick to drawing because it was so direct and Mm -hmm. it was easy to control. And then he, he was the one that got me to think about the, the whole thing differently and like, stop thinking, like just draw with paint, Mm -hmm. just draw here, use an oil stick, Mm -hmm. you know, do something different or, draw with charcoal and then smear like matte gel across it. Now you just made paint, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, ideas like that wow. and, and ways of working and like stop drawing with your wrist and draw with your whole body, yep. you know? And, um, the ideas like that really excited me and it, and it was just like kind of anything goes Yeah. in, in his classes and I was just hooked. Right. You know, you were the one guy that's hooked while everybody else was hating it because they were like not being told. A set, a set yeah, brand. because yeah. I, I'd come out of the, I'd come out of so uh, like in the military, it was, you know, you're thinking all the time in this like collectivist kind of mindset, you know, if one of us fails, we all fail kind of thing. And, um, and art is something that's just pure and, you know, pure, the pure individual and like, um, and it was the absolute like antithesis of all of that control and, mm-hmm. and like structure and, uh, and I loved it, you yeah. know, and, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was immediately, immediately addicting. Yeah. That's a, that's like, um, I mean, I think that's something Gareth and I talk about is like, it seems like a lot of times you need, there's somebody has to kind of like crack you open or give you license mm-hmm. or give you like the keys to something, you know, and sometimes you get some crappy keys. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And then, and yeah, then yeah. you're stuck to some crappy rules. Like I had some great teachers in it, but I had a lot of rules that came with those teachers. And so there's been a lot of like baggage to shed you know it wasn't mm-hmm. direct access to freedom it was like right of passage access to possibility yeah and so i spent in some ways i feel like i spent too much time contending with that stuff in my head you right, know right. like this like hall of these the specters of my professors in my brain just kind of you know dictating things or you know um creating barriers so for so for you you get this like experiential freedom material freedom and um how quickly does that turn into like exhibiting work or, you know, like even feeling like that's, that's a possibility for you. Like how quickly does that? um, Oh, for me, I, I, uh, it was like, I, uh, I was, I was at like 35 and I have two kids and a mortgage payment and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I have the confidence to do this. I had some, you know, after I got out of the military, I, 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 uh, I owned a company with a guy and we did, um, stuff for the government. And, um, I was comfortable with operating a business and, and mm-hmm. like h- how to think like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to find a way to do this as a job. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I just, just jumped in. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And, um, of course you do a bunch of like kind of cheesy stuff at first to right. get started. You're like, how can I, like, let's, let's, let's make t-shirts or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, like, uh, Gareth and I are suckers for t-shirts. So yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be arrested development for us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then eventually that kind of, uh, shifted into, um, me taking, you know, painting and, um, drawing and objects of sculpture and stuff like that seriously as, mm-hmm. as like, um, uh, thing I could really do. And so, um, 
yeah, I started selling my, my work to collectors eventually uh, towards the, actually while I was still an undergrad, the, like kind of the end of undergrad. And uh, uh, just th- people were just messaging. I was just posting it like constantly on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met this really great collector um, named uh, Mark Van Wagner. And um, he, own- he also owned a gallery in Long Island. And uh, he, my, my prices were like, like hilariously low for like really huge things, like almost like super suspicious, like how, wait, mm-hmm. is this guy dumb? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so uh, I didn't know any better. I, st- right. I, I was like, you know, I still thought that was a lot of money to me for yeah. a piece of like cloth, yeah. you know? And so, um, and objectively it is, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, he bought like three of them just to see him. He's like, let me see this, you know? And, um, and then he got him and then he called me up and he was, he wanted to, he wanted wow. to work together. And, and he was kind of like my launch pad, mm-hmm. uh, into like, here's, here's a gallerist or, you know, a gallery or a dealer or whatever that believes in me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, he's, he's, and then we turned into really good friends, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not just a business relationship with him. He's actually a, like a, a really good friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's ideal. Yeah, I mean, that's rare. Guy. That's yeah. rare, actually. Yeah. I feel like. So, um, how how does that? Um, well, I guess part of the thing is I feel like okay. So there's this is an observation that I've made, and I might be completely off here, but I feel like, and I feel confident saying this. It seems to me that your work isn't provoking a lot of other people's work. Like it seem, I I feel like I've noticed an appropriation of your work in others um, in recently. Um, yeah. So it seems to me that, you know, you go, you're in a gallery context, you know, you're selling work various ways, but there's also like an online presence. And, and it seems like it's served, um, of anyone that I've met personally, like I feel like it's served you well. Um, it, it seems, it's, it's, it, but it comes with a price or it comes with, you know, a mixed bag of experiences. Um and so how, 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 like, how, what's your take on that, man? I mean, I feel like you've got a, a pretty solid uh, presence online, like Instagram, like, cause like for take, take for me, like I got, I can't, I got an Instagram late and I feel like it's changed, but it seems like you hit a, uh, hit a sweet spot. Like I, so to give you like an anecdotal mm-hmm. reference of what I'm thinking about, one of my friends growing up uh, is Afro man. Um, he, he had a one hit wonder called because I got high um, and he's a rap artist. So he um, used to hustle mixtapes. And, um, his, you know, his story was he did a concert, the concert wasn't that good and he's in Florida and he wanted to quit like 2000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he, um, someone recorded the concert and put, because I got high on Napster, he's like a, like a kid. The night he quit is the night, the song, true story. He's like, the night he quit is the night the song went up on Napster and it blew up that night. (laughs) <laughs> so he wakes up in the morning and he's getting calls from people. Yeah. It like he's like the you know technically like the first viral internet artist, um, in that sense, one hit wonder in the truest sense. Um, and so all of a sudden, Interscope Records is contacting him, and within a couple of weeks, he's got a year worth of uh, tours lined up. And he's got to pull a band together and start start doing it. Um, that's like an extreme example, but um, that's crazy. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's crazy. It's it boggles my mind. Like my buddy Stan, our mutual friend, we all grew up together. Stan was at my house a couple of years ago, and, and like his, Joby called him and was like, "Hey, man, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I need you to play drums, like bad." <laughs> uh, 
Um, but so Instagram had a sweet spot, I feel like. And yeah. I, I wonder if we're past the sweet spot of Instagram, like if we're at a saturation point with algorithms and things, but I don't know. But it seems like it's worked for you, man, if, if you will. Or I think it seems like it's bolstered your work. Is that, how, how do you, how do you, how do yeah, you see it? Yeah, it's, I, I I started it because it was just you know fun to use, yeah. and and I didn't take it seriously, and I wasn't like like being strategic about it, and I was probably posting way too much stuff, and I wasn't like mediating any of it or having like any kind of like a strategy, and that uh, for me, I think that was part of what helped really early is um, I wasn't reading articles about how to get more followers mm-hmm. and like that kind of stuff, and so. Um, and I just kept up with it, and I didn't expect to gain thousands and thousands and thousands of people per year. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so I started using it like I, in 2014, and so it's been like six years mm-hmm. of really slow, steady, long, like you know, gradual trajectory. Yeah. And so um, I'm not in a hurry with it. Yeah. And I don't want it to. Um, I don't want it to start steering me into what what gets me more likes and all that yeah. kind of stuff and yeah. so you know a way of controlling that i i found for me at least is that um uh that i use it you know i'm using it a bit less now so uh and i contradict myself too like so a lot of times i'll use it like once a week mm-hmm. or once every four days or something like that and then like um and then every once in a while i do like a few days of like every day and, uh, and then I spread that back out, mm-hmm. but that's that's kind of what uh, works for me. So I'm not I'm not I'm not kind of staring at it all the time because mm-hmm. it, it does have even a subconscious effect on 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 what you do. Mm-hmm. I, I know it does, and so it's something to be careful of. Um, uh, before when you're talking about the idea of um, appropriation and all this kind of stuff and influencing people, I think. Um, uh, that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll see like, like super blatant. Yes. Like, like you're <laughs> I can think serious. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see that all the time. Yeah. And like, um, and to be, to be quite honest, like, you know, you, you put it out in the world that you got to accept that that's going to happen. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and all these ideas are, are really that, that I have that people might think are my ideas. They're these, these like, they're kind of like algam- amalgamations of, 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 of a lot of ideas that are just floating around out there. Right. So, um, uh, I don't even think that all of it's re- you know, really uh, authentically mine, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe it looks like that from the outside, but you know, um, everybody, everybody appropriates totally. from everybody else, yep. even when they don't think they are, yep. mm-hmm. they don't know it. Um, and I also think that, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I also I also think that everybody uh, often starts by kind of um, using like mimicry um, mm-hmm. of of the things you're looking at as a way to understand it. Yeah. And sometimes you just be patient with people and, and, um, don't immediately just cast them into the, into like the, the garbage because their work looks like somebody else's that, you know. Right. And I think that, um, sometimes a person needs to kind of burn through a lot of work that, that like that's in that and that's made in that manner, mm-hmm. uh, consciously or unconsciously until they really find their own 
kind of weird way of 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 making it and it starts to become kind of identifiably theirs yeah yeah and um i mean i did that yeah. i mean like in the beginning my stuff was like kind of super derivative of basquiat mm -hmm. and like um you know i set all that stuff on fire um no i'm kidding yeah. but no, <laughs> uh, no um but yeah and I, and i was in and, and a lot of it was uh I was looking at Cy Twombly yep. and I was mm -hmm. making these paintings that were just only, you know, kind of dry media marks on painting and they look like Cy Twombly paintings. And, um, to me, I'm, I'm, that's okay. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a way of learning, yep. um, how to make something mm -hmm. you got to find, find your, find your voice by singing every, uh, other people's songs. So yeah, I think just have patience with people. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it does make you mad at first. Instinctively, now, you're I like, think, yeah, yeah instinctively, you're like, what the hell? I think there's like levels. Yeah. I always feel like there's like under the influence or inspiration, and then there's just like blatant ripoff. Yeah. And I don't, it's a, it's subjective. Right. But there is like a line where you're like, gosh, and, and it may be that in the mindset of the person that they're intuitively doing this and mm -hmm. they're not. Because um, I, I always say like, I can give you like the five or six people that most directly influenced me. And if you just look at my work and look at theirs and you'll go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'll, I'll just be gutted. You'll just go, it'll gut out and you'll go, Oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah, my, my contribution to that is like five or 10% of these other people's contrib. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, we're all coming out of these things. Um, and there is like a maturation. Sometimes it's slow or fast for people where you kind of are your, your, your DNA is infused into it or something like that. Right. Um, but who, so who, who are some people that, um, I mean, are you looking at a lot of work now? Like, do you see your, your work in the context of, I mean, cause I want to get into your work. Mm -hmm. There's two things I'm interested in. It's like, cause there, I guess what I'm thinking of is like, there's looking at your work in uh and I guess because especially because of COVID we're, we're so online, there's looking at your work in this kind of gallery online Instagram space. And then there's staring at your work in your studio. I, I can imagine that the, the difference can be very, is vast possibly. Um, and you have your raw material. You, ha I mean, you've, I can imagine you've got a pretty extensive setup uh, in your studio. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious. Uh, so I'm curious about that. And then I'm curious about uh, like if there's people that you're looking at that get you like juiced up. Oh yeah, man. There's, I mean, it's like this endless list of yeah. artists that I look at, and I, I, I forget a lot of them, and I see them again. I'm like, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. You know. Um, I think uh, I, I, I bring this artist up a lot uh, lately. Um, there is a painter named Hannah Bierman. Have you seen her work? No. Hannah Bierman. Um, and that's her name on Instagram. But uh, there is, there is, uh, she uses all kinds of materials. Uh -huh. uh, it's super, this like grab bag of kind of anything she can find. And a lot of it is stuff that like people donated to her that she found or, um, or that, you know, whatever. And she's like putting them together into these kind of, really in, intelligently constructed things but they're also super like kind of irreverent and hilarious mm -hmm. and it'll be like you know uh, fake vegetable like like a plastic potato mm -hmm. and like you know glued to a surface of something or she had one that was um it was a pillow this is one of my favorite things that she made it's a pillow with um a hair dryer that's uh, the cord, I think, on the hairdryer is wrapped around the pillow and like, securing the hairdryer to the pillow. So it's like, you know, hugging itself. And then the hairdryer has has um, dog treats glued to it. And the whole thing is in this like frame. Mm. And it's the most, it's so unheroic that it's like ultra heroic. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Yeah. She's really cool. Uh, there's another one, um, uh, painter that I, I like, uh, I, I have one of her paintings now it's, um, uh, Belle Falana and she, she makes these, uh, these, these fantastic kind of figurative paintings of beach scenes and, you know, people drinking martinis and, uh, like, you know, people like, like, like urinating like rainbows into people's wine glasses and these like hairy <laughs> legs and all this like <laughs> hilariousness and they're, and they're rendered in them and like, like super clumsy. Uh-huh. But like when I say clumsy, I, I mean that in like, um, uh, like it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. yeah and, um, they're rendered in this like completely clumsy manner and, um, they're, they're fantastic. They're hilarious. Uh, who else? Oh, there's there's a uh, there's a painter I've re- just recently started looking at that I I find just shockingly and like like amazing. It's this dude uh, Trey Abdella, and uh, his name on Instagram is Mystic Fish Fish Stick. <laughs> and um, man, I don't even want to try to explain this guy's yeah. paintings. Just look them up. Just They're them nuts. Up. They're yeah. completely freaking crazy. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I like that that work. Um, a guy named Royal Jarman. I really like um, Eric Sommer. There's a guy named Eric Sommer. I'm, I'm friends with him. Lives in um, New York City. Makes paintings with like drywall and street posters and all this kind of found object stuff. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. It, so what do you think it is about? I guess like so. I grew up with. Um, I think in my own kind of psychology, like my uh, grandfather, my great grandfather's like my dad in many ways. They were in Venice Beach, um, so very particular culture. Uh, grew up around Venice Beach, and um, they were they were definitely what people would call hoarders. I didn't know what a hoarder was at the time, so they had like a intense aesthetic proclivities. So there is an intuitive. So he was a treasure hunter, you know, in the sense of like like he just had an index of material knowledge that was strange and wide, and he he just knew a lot as like an old timer. Did, didn't pass go to school past sixth grade, mm-hmm. but he had this like wealth of knowledge and material knowledge and actual objects. And they were just piled and organized and stacked. So like for me, that was like a formative experience was always going to these densely packed spaces where he like slept on a portion of a bed. And so the materials were everywhere in the oven, you name it in cars parked out front, but he knew, he knew where a large percentage of the stuff was in a ridiculous way. Okay. Um, and so he was a painter and I always felt like the painting was the process of the materials like it was like his way of pro. It was like he was a guitar player, a picker, and a, a painter. So mm-hmm. I just felt like he was processing out those materials. Or later, I, f- I felt like that, and I felt like that's partly what what um, I've done as a as an artist. It's like you're around these intense aesthetic experiences, and then you focus them. But there is a thing like it's like you're talking about like a um, an iron or not an iron. You said a, a, a blow dryer wrapped around a pillow, mm-hmm. and I can see that. Like I can mm-hmm. see it um, vividly. And I, and I'm, my mind's like wondering, is like, is it, do we live in such material excess that it's like cathartic <laughs> to, to, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To like reduce things into a dumb state again, like not the work itself, but to render these smart objects into mm-hmm. a state of dumbness. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think about, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't have I a complete thought on it, but my mind's just going like, what is that? Because we, I'm just thinking it's like my, my grandfather had. I mean, just gross excess materials. I mean, he had like crazy guitars, still does. Like, my he's dead, but they're you know they're stock, locked away. It's like, what do you do with that crap? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, like smart objects, really well made stuff. And he was post depression era. He lived through the Great Depression. So, just thinking about that psychology, um, and like 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a complete thought on that. Yeah. That's like the best I got. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of a hoarder um, with, with certain materials like that as well. Uh, not really so much found objects, but um, te- textile materials and things mm-hmm. that I want to use in, in paintings mm-hmm. and uh, plywood and cardboard and fabrics and things like that. And I, and I, even when I'm editing something and I cut something off of a painting that I don't, that doesn't work, I often will store it away and then it'll come back to life, you know, in some other thing, mm-hmm. it'll be sewn together in some, some new way. So I often will, will look at a big like collection of, of parts to paintings and, and kind of challenge myself to, to, instead of going and getting like a new piece of canvas off of like a big roll, um, be like, just make one out of this pile of stuff. Yeah. And like by the end of the day, like fast, (laughs) like, um, I don't care what you have to do, but by like five o'clock today, I want this all sewn together and on this, uh, like, you know, and like stretched onto a stretcher. And, and it's like, there's like a kind of your self inducing, like this kind of panic and, Uh and like, stops you from overthinking mm-hmm. but it's a anyway it's it's a That's way of yeah, and then that produces its own waste material then that you know all yeah. of that and um that's just like this continuous act of recycling things and then but i, I also do work in a you know also in tr- you know a more traditional manner too where you know there you know here's a here's a canvas that's you know it just has a drawing on it right you know? right and uh it's not all constructed and recycled but yeah I like to I like to work in all, in like lots of different modes. Yeah, you know I like to exhibit my work like that too, where it's not all like a family of paintings that are supposed to um, talk to each other. I like sometimes for them to be as as disjointed as they are in, inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's interesting. So so what's your studio look like, man? Like if, if we were to go in there today, is it, is I, I just imagine a bunch of stuff, stuff in piles everywhere, organized kind no, of like loose organized piles. But no, it's pretty yeah. organized, uh, and that's um, so my studio is these two these two um, old classrooms that were put together, um, or one was like a teacher's lounge and one was a, a classroom, and this is in this my studio is in this old school building um, uh, on Fulton Hill, and and so I have these two classrooms that were, when the building was renovated, they were turned into one space. And so uh, it's got a whole lot of light in it. And I, a lot of my work is made flat, you know, on the floor. I'm mm-hmm. walking around on top of it when I'm working and stuff. And uh, I need to keep my studio f- pretty well organized, actually, so that I have as much floor space as possible. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so... I, every time I'm making something, it turns the whole studio. It looks like a tornado, uh-huh. you know, like a bomb <laughs> yeah, went off. Right. Yeah. But then like, uh, kind of my rule is before I start a new one or a new thing, I have to kind of bring it back to a state of like total order. And I like that. Yeah. And it, and it's also like just walking around, picking stuff up and putting it where it's supposed to go gives you kind of come across ideas and you're like, Whoa, what about this thing? Yeah. You know, and you're like looking at some stick that you're using to stir up some paint. You're like, oh, I think I'm going to use this over here now. Hang on, set that aside. Yeah. You know, so you can kind of find new ideas just by cleaning up your stuff. Right. <laughs> by sweeping. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's like your, yeah. There's, so yeah, there's a freedom in your, the way I think you're working. But it's, there's a freedom in your work, but there's like a particular touch. There's something there that I can't, I can't put my finger on that I feel like I see when mm-hmm. I look at your work. 
that seems like it's yours, you know, like, I guess I can't, there's something like, so there's, there's the, uh, I mean, there's a hilarious video of you making a mark, uh, like you like, it's like a no look mark and your arm looks like it's broken or. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 But but it's like, but you know, so like, I remember, uh, at a certain point in grad school, like I wanted so badly to get out of my hand. I was like, my, my mark making hand sucks. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do to change that. Like the way you drag a mark across the, the surface or whatever. So I started messing with the surface. I, I started creating like speed bumps in my paintings mm-hmm. to change the way the mark occurred, like mm-hmm. interruptions on the surface. And, um, I found that my, my hand over, over, overcame the speed bump and it mm-hmm. just kind of like persisted. Yeah. And so I've been learning to like live with my hand, I guess if that's the thing. I don't have a preference for it, but I've learned to live with it. Um, you find that, I mean, cause it feels like you're pushing, outside it's like i mean i don't yeah. know if it's automatic yeah there's there, there's some of those ideas and um i got i really actually got into that because of that drawing professor that i had and um and that opened up this whole can of worms for me well he showed me all kinds of um examples of 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 different ways of making marks and he was he's a big time kind of mark maker yeah. kind of teacher and um uh i first got introduced to uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, William Anastasi. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with his subway drawings? No. There's these drawings that he made on a subway uh, on a piece of paper. I think he put like a pencil on the piece of paper and then like wasn't looking at the paper, I think. And then like every time the subway moves left and right, forward and back, as it hits the brakes or accelerates or banks or I mean, it turns, that would move the pencil. Uh-huh. And so that drawing would, a drawing would result from that and it would be like the, uh, a representation of from like this street to this street makes this drawing. Yeah. And, um, so all these kind of ways were, I, I got interested in all these, these ways of, of drawing or, or, or making marks that kind of subvert your, 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 your control. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made a, you know, I made a painting while I attached a painting to a truck and chased it like on foot. Uh-huh. And I tried to make a whole painting like while running. Yeah. And, um, and like it's done when I can't keep up with the truck anymore. Uh-huh. And so I had my wife driving the truck and I had all like my art supplies in the back. <laughs> and so like when I would need to change something, I would just like reach in the bed and like, here's another thing. And like, it's an interesting way to make a, like to make a drawing yeah. like, to get this, you know, to, um, subvert yourself. Yeah. And so like, uh, those drawing videos I, that I make sometimes, um, sometimes those are, you know, if you went to like a, I don't know if the right, maybe I'm dating myself, like a Nirvana concert or I don't know if you went to some punk rock concert yeah. and there was like a bunch of people freaking out, like really close to the stage and they're all like, like a mosh pit. They're all yeah. like punching each other in the head and they're swinging their bodies around and like, no, that makes no sense. Yeah. It's just total, yeah. absolute like physical chaos. Yeah. Sometimes I, 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 I'll listen to music like that and then like, you know, use my non-dominant hand and then get so hyperactive from like what I'm listening to that I just want to freak out uh-huh. and then like just try to make, try to, try to make the dumbest like way of making a mark. You know, you, you know, like when you make a really stupid face and you know, it looks really stupid, you mm-hmm. don't need a mirror yeah. to know it's stupid yeah because yeah. you know it feels stupid you know, yeah. like this feels yeah, yeah, yeah. really dumb yep and and I, I know this has got to look really stupid so sometimes I think like draw like that like um, if it feels really really wrong 
then it, it can make really interesting marks. Right. You know? And so sometimes those are a way of like establishing like an initial kind of structure for a painting. Mm-hmm. It's just do this like like make the worst mistake possible first <laughs> and then like kind of use the rest of the the work to like figure out a way to get out of that right. hole you dug for yourself. Yeah. And I like that. I like that way of working. It's um it's very entertaining for me. Right. So and yeah. so your work, I mean, you, so, I mean, you're, I mean, you took the plunge. I mean, I, I kind of am amazed, like I think, um, different circumstances, but we've, we've had our good friend Ian on from Endeavor and he was a former student of mine and he just did his undergraduate degree and he was like, today I've quit working and I'm just going to be a full-time artist. And he did it. Mm-hmm. And so far he's made, <laughs> he's like, I think he's had some ups and downs, but he just did it. He's doing it. And then he just like paid the bills and I was like. It was just like a crazy like step, mm-hmm. and you did. I mean, you did something like that in a way. Yeah, like with um, like with a family and stuff, which boggles my mind. Um, but it makes sense in a weird way. Like, so it's freaking me out because my mind's going like, "What am I not doing that I need to just go yeah. ahead?" And I mean, do? it's it's one of those things that you. Know, I think we all kind of intuitively know that like art's a full time job. Yeah, you know, like um, if you're really pursuing it, like it's full time job, and um, you know, when you're kind of bivocational with it. Um, I think it's, you know, we, the bivocational ones of us kind of have that yearning where it's like, man, what if I just could just stop doing this other thing Yep, and just spend my time. I was also, so I have, I have to give a lot of, uh, honestly, a lot of credit to my wife. You know, I've, so I've been, we've, we've been together since high school mm-hmm. and, um, and so she's, she's, when we've grown up together and, uh, she's very disciplined with money. Gotcha. And so this, what I'm trying to say is like, there's a lot of other factors that have to be in place. I think mm-hmm. um, for for you to to really be able to be like, okay, let's let's just do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, at least, maybe this isn't true, but maybe, but it's true for me. Mm-hmm. So like, for me, in order to have like the clarity and the absolute like um, like the feeling of uh, like I can just do whatever I want and take you know take risk. Sometimes that's influenced by like what's my, what's my cost of living, mm-hmm. you know? And like, um, do I, I drive, I drive an old car right? and, um, and both of my cars are like, you know, old and they're, yep. I'm not trying to like get new stuff, you know? And right. like, I never buy right. new clothes and like, um, I'm pretty, we're pretty frugal. Yeah. And, um, we've always been like that and we've never wanted to like have debts. Like right. when we had debts, we like paid them off. Yeah. And so, and that's, I, I'm not naturally like that, but mm-hmm. it, like my wife made me like that over, right. over the years because she's, she's smart with money. And so anyway, and then like a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people, their, their spouse or partner or whatever, um, often is like terrified of them leaving their job at the accounting firm or, or whatever to just be like, I want to make these dumb paintings, yeah. you know? of um <clears throat> like monsters mm-hmm. you know let's do that and so like th- their spouse or, or it might be like that's that's insane we're not doing that you know we, we we just bought a brand new you know suv and we have this giant house and all this stuff and so um you know my my wife was big time supportive of it like she was like even when i was like i don't know about this she was like no that's what you want to do do it Wow. Yeah, she was super, super like supportive of that. Yeah. Of of like of like jumping off the cliff and like really trusting me. Yeah. And so um 
Yeah. No, right. I, I owe her. I owe her a lot with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's. I think that. I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, I think one of the things that I um imagining in my mind that I appreciate that you're sharing is there's an a, there's a a strive or I don't know how to say it, but there's like a striving after and an intense amount of expressive freedom that is producing this body of work or this this range of work. But there's also another side to it. So it's like there may seem to be chaos or disorder uh, in, in a certain kind of way, but mm-hmm. it's coming in relationship or in tandem to other areas of your life that, that seem like they have to have a certain way about them or, or order to them or responsibility Absolutely. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, feel like if you... Well, not. Well, I feel like for me, you you kind of can't kind of creatively um, explode unless it's coming from a place of of order. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of your life is all taken care of and, and are like you know structured and and yep. and, and, and and ordered. And um, and I don't mean like boring. <laughs> so, no, no, I, mean, I think yeah. You know, I, I mean like um, we're not. You know, you're not overextended and doing all these things you shouldn't do with money and. And that kind of stuff, it allows you to not be super apprehensive about right. like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn through this huge roll of canvas, and I'm, I might crash all these ideas into the ground, and they all n- none of them work, but right. that's made possible by that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, I think, think I, yeah, I, I was gonna say, um, you know, talking with young artists or even students, I think sometimes they they look for the order to come from the art practice. Mm-hmm. And so they reverse what you're talking about. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm not finding any order in it. And it's like, I don't, you know, I mean, in terms of how you're talking about your creative process, like how much do you want to find order in your art practice necessarily? Or do you want it to be something where you are kind of seeking and pursuing, you know, when those other things are ordered, I think like, it's, it's such a, like, just a very good point that um, when those things are there, when the structure's in place, it builds a foundation upon which your art practice can actually be successful. Yeah. And it doesn't, in fact, I mean, I haven't, I haven't really seen it work the opposite way. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you could find one or two examples, but on the whole, I think people who we've talked to over the last couple of years on the podcast, if they have any longevity to their, their career, it's because it's built on some form of structure, like you're saying. It doesn't yeah. have to be boring, but there's some kind of organization underneath that. Yeah, I think that responsibility taking sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. And it's because we've seen, I mean, I think that's why I would want to have a conversation like this. It sounds terrible because sometimes you see terrible examples Mm -hmm. or you see boring examples, if you will. And you're like, I do not want that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I totally relate to what you're like. I ironically was like a psychology major for a minute Mm -hmm. and then just took the plunge into being, I was like, look at, I've always wanted to be an artist. And once I went into like, once I saw like a real space and, and you're right, like it's like, you know, it was the smell we were in this old fish hatchery in Sacramento. And so it's this huge space. It was dank. It had a certain way about it yeah. that all of that was like formative. I mean, I just lived like I lived in my studio, you know, I like couch surfed. Like there was like a, there was just a, a formative period of time where that stuff just resonated with me. Um, and I didn't want to be in the classroom the way that I thought classrooms were. And then order started to matter to me once I realized it, it allowed me more time to make work. So I started to kind of become frugal in places like, you know, in my own personal life. Yeah. Um, and I never was before. I mean, I got, I went into, I actually was stupid and went into a lot of debt. Just, I didn't know what a credit card was. And so I just went to college later in life. I went back to school and dude, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so my wife is really good with money. Mm-hmm. We've been getting her 18 years <laughs> and, um, she, 
together we have learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we can do. So then people are always like, well, how do you get how do you get so much done? Like you get a lot of different things done. Gareth probably gets the same question. Like, and it's like, well, it's because there's a lot of my life that's organized mm-hmm. to free me to do these other projects. Absolutely, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Like, there's no totally question agree with about that. it. Um, there's just no other. There's no other way. Um, so, one of the other questions I have for you is like looking at your work. How do you? How um, like in my own case right now, I've got like 30 paintings staring me in the face in my studio, just sitting in there. Cause I haven't, I've, I've been on freeze working on other projects. And so there's a point where work staring you in the face can be a bad, sometimes it's good for me. Sometimes it's bad for me. Um, how do you keep from that? How do you keep the work fresh when you're seeing it? You can see it online. You're seeing it in shows. I mean, you talk about other people, um, you know, galleries not wanting to see work once it's been shown almost in a ridiculous way. Mm-hmm. But for you in your space, how do you keep it? How do you keep the work fresh to you where like because you, you said something about. There's a, a way in which Instagram or a, a format like that mm-hmm. can actually start to do things to you. Mm-hmm. How do you resist that to where the work stays alive to to what it's predicated on? Yeah, uh, often I, I bounce around a lot like um I've always had a kind of a goal of, of like, you know, you, you want to arrive at a place where the work feels like it's kind of yours and it's identifiably yours. And I've always had this kind of like aspiration and it might be totally impossible or sometimes it's, I don't know. Um, but this aspiration to, to be able to jump around from all these different styles, right. To, mm-hmm. uh, um, sewing and you know just drawing and sculpture and all these things but somehow you still know who made it Mm -hmm. immediately and like that's kind of a thing I really like but anyway um generally speaking I I I kind of only do stuff in the studio that I'm genuinely curious about Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times when I've made a specific type of painting I don't I don't really work in series, mm-hmm. you know, these are all like the, the paintings that look like whatever rain mm-hmm. or, or something. And these are all the rain paintings and these are all the, uh, the checkerboard paintings or whatever. I don't, I don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just, I get bored really fast with mm-hmm. it. And so sometimes those things, they come back around, uh, again in the future, but there's more time and experience or whatever that's, that's, uh, influencing them Mm -hmm. so eventually they can be kind of used maybe in a series like that but i don't sit down and make like a block of things that are designed to go together Mm -hmm. um so and yeah i do have to i do have to um kind of fight against that a lot uh of of not getting um uh feeling stagnant about a certain look and i'll 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 know it i'll i'll I'll, i ask myself when i'm like sewing something together or drawing something like Am I am I just doing this because I, I um, because I know it works, you know, um, or am I genuinely curious about this? And if the answer is if if I'm not actually curious about it, then I I'll stop doing it. Right. Or I'll turn it into something totally different. Right. And so, yeah. That's does work have a does work have a um? So like if you had like a you know you've got an inventory or just you know you've got an excess of work and you're exhibiting different places around the world mm-hmm. is there a point where work staying in your studio too long runs the risk of being recycled 
Like, is there a lifespan? <laughs> you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, yeah, my, actually my, uh, my the galleries I work with, sometimes some of them know that about me. Like yeah. Mark does for sure. Mark uh, Van, <laughs> Van Wagner at Marquee Projects. He's like, I got to get that thing out of Taylor's hands before he turns it into something else. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he kind of knows that about me. But um, uh, yeah, sometimes that's uh, that's something that uh, for me, I need to turn. I have a, like a rack that they slide paintings into. Yeah. And I just I, I stack them in there. And I, I turn them around where I can't see them. Uh, and stuff like that. And that can be really helpful because yeah, honestly, if I, if I go in my studio and I see that same painting there all the time, yeah. uh, yeah, you just get bored with it and you right. think it, you, you, you can't experience it the way somebody else that yep. didn't make it experiences it. So it's very easy to get bored and like, yeah. you know, start sabotaging it or, or turning it into something else. Cause you're not, cause you're already satisfied yeah. your curiosity with that. So often I have to turn stuff around and get it out of my, my field of view. Yeah. And that's really, really beneficial too, because after a few months, sometimes I'll flip it around and be like, Oh man, I actually really like, I still like this. And that's yeah. sometimes that's a good test. Yeah. Like, do I actually like this after a long time of not seeing it, you know? Right. And, uh, I, I often don't, um, scroll back through my own Instagram Right. Look deeper in there. I, I, I try not to do that because I uh, I want stuff to, um, to I want to forget about paintings. Yeah. You know, and then you find them. In my, yeah. You know, I've got closets and cabinets and things that have little paintings in them, and I'll pull them out and be like, oh man, I forgot about this thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that's that's a that's a thing you have to be mindful of. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like um, you know, like like with all artists that have uh, you know individual practices. It sounds like you know you you have a very rich kind of uh, critical interior life uh, with your work. Um, now, do you find yourself um, like in these conversations? Do you find that the the painter has to fight against the critic, or do you feel like the critic works with the painter as you're making your pieces? Like the like like what what would a critic say about this no like your internal critic like w like when you're looking at a painting and yeah. you're you're making your marks and you're trying to you know maybe do something that feels off or you know um make your work the way it is is your internal critique of your work is it something that kind of does it kind of goad you on a little bit or do you have to kind of fight against it and be like no i'm gonna trust my my making instincts over my critic instincts in my head yeah i do that all the time like i'm, I'm always at war with that that, yeah. that thing it's like uh this isn't gonna work and then you're like yes it is i'm gonna win <laughs> and like i mean i i I'm, sometimes i'll um uh, something won't work and it's not working and i don't know what to do and as soon as as soon as i totally i'm just like this thing's this thing's totally done like I have to I have to cut it out of the frame with a razor and, and throw it away like mm -hmm. this is garbage, and as soon as that happens, I've even walked up to it with like like a box cutter like I'm about to just get rid of this thing, yeah. and uh, and I've I've killed a lot of paintings like that, but like I'll be walking up to it like okay this thing's done, and at that last second I'll be like oh, why not try this one thing and I'll just and because I don't care anymore it's like <laughs> yeah. I view it as garbage now. And this often, often what happens is like when I go get this like can of spray paint or, or whatever, and I make this one decision on it, the whole, it's like this key turns and the whole thing, like, it's like, it just turns on and it's like, oh, that's all, you know, like you just mm -hmm. got to stop caring. You got to stop listening to that voice and just give it, you know, try one thing that 
or sometimes yeah get it to a place of absolute like hopelessness and mm-hmm. then that is like when you're really free and uh and sometimes uh i'll feel super defeated and then five minutes later i'll like back up and look at it and i'll just I'll literally i'll say like out loud like i'll laugh at it and, and be like you know like i win <laughs> <laughs> and you know and it's it's yeah it's almost it's like a I, I talk to them and stuff mm-hmm. in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's like this, um, yeah. So yeah, you, you know, this, this idea of what you, who, you're talking to yourself. And mm-hmm. talking to yeah. Cause I mean, I've had, that happens. I've yeah. had students critiquing like, like work in class, especially like with designers where they'll sit there and they're like, this isn't working. And so they want to try to fix it. And I'm, uh, there's times where I'm like, I think what you need to do is you need to fix it less and break it more. Because I don't think you're to a point where you really understand why it's not working. Make yet. it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah make you know, it worse. Yeah, double down that. on it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like you can take something halfway there and just kill it, or you can just break it all the way and yeah. actually find out what's wrong and diagnose your problems a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's always an interesting thing because, um, you know, for me, I think I'm often, um, I'm often listening to that critic a bit too much and be like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. When I need to be like, no, shut up. Like I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's a. Um, I was going to say, like, I think my, I've said this before, but my seminal moment. So painting, painting was weird for me because painting, because, because painting is like rules. If you, if you, if you like, there's rules, if you're, if you want them, mm-hmm. um, but they're also like, they're not there at all. You know, like, so I think I had this big painting. I was working like a six by eight foot painting at the time. And I, and I just had a moment I was by myself in this big studio and I just was like, this painting just sucked, man. I had like gone through 20 different versions of, and I, and I threw a cheeseburger at it. I had a Whopper <laughs> and I, and I just like hummed it like a baseball, like no one was around. And that was the act that needed to happen. Yeah. It was that act. So it was kind of like what you were saying, like, mm-hmm. but once I did that, it's like something changed. It's like, it, I didn't care anymore. Yeah. But I had to risk, I, it had to cost me something. Mm-hmm. So it cost me, my, it cost me my Whopper with cheese. <laughs> cost you a cheeseburger. It cost, me, <laughs> it cost me a cheeseburger, but it like changed. It was like, that like was the switch. And then the painting kind of, somehow then I could paint the painting. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I don't fully understand what that is. Oh man, that, but because, because I don't know why that, you know, um, that, that, that's what makes it exciting. It's like, I don't. I don't yeah. know why this works, but it works. Yeah, that's that's fun. I don't want to necessarily get too far down into the engine room with that because right then you'll start overthinking it. But yeah, I, I often even have to like uh, a lot of times it's hard to it's hard to overthink something if you're talking out loud, mm. like while you're trying not to think. Right. If you just talk. Right. Um, uh, it, it like shuts that off because you're so like, great. you know what I'm saying? It works. Yeah, it, does. it works. Um, yeah. That's super. I don't talk at all actually in my studio. So now I'm like, oh crap, this is like. I don't mean talking to yourself, but I mean, uh, I don't even mean being in uh, like in, in conversation. Like, no, I mean like, uh, like sometimes if I'm trying to, 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 to draw something and I need it to, I need it to be a certain type of, um, way, like a, like a, like what, what moron made this mark. Yeah. Like, um, and, or I have to do a whole lot of it. Sometimes I, I go up to, I'll be like about to start drawing or as I'm drawing, I'll, I'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'll just be like, like, and I'm just making noises and you stop thinking. And then you like back up and you're like, yeah, look at that. Yeah. That's dumb. You know? So yeah, it works for me. 
So what do you think? What do you? Uh, uh, no, I, see, I, see, I don't want to ask you because I don't want to get behind the. I don't want to get into the engine room, <laughs> no, but I want right. to know. So, so what about what about dumbness, man? I don't know, man. It's something. It's I've always been so attracted to to that. I mean, like when I was a kid and like I saw, um, like Ren and Stimpy mm-hmm. when that came out, I was like, this is insanity. Like, uh-huh. like this is super stupid. And like um, when. And all this stuff came out on like Adult Swim, uh-huh. that channel, uh, when I was a kid, and like South Park, and uh, the kind of uh, I kind of when I was in uh, middle school, like Nirvana came out mm-hmm. and grunge rock started, and it was like you had like all of like the um, hair hair band stuff, like really technical rock before that yeah. and you're like look how good slash is at playing yeah. guitar solos right and then here comes like kurt cobain and it's like look how bad i can play my guitar yeah. and i was just like i don't know why i love that but i just love the you know i, I just love the irreverence of it right and um uh I, I was just i've always been fascinated with that uh, yeah and it, it all has this a lot of it even has this dopey spirit to it where you're like like whatever, mom. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> I do what I want. You know, Gosh. like, like just, yeah. it has this dumb teenage spirit to it that yeah. it's just I just it's so attractive to me. Uh-huh. And uh, my my kids pick up on it too. Like I have a fourteen year old daughter and a uh, a ten year old son, and I'll be making something, and they'll come up there and look at it, and they'll be like, eh, "It's not dumb enough, Dad." You know, they totally get it. <laughs> they totally get yeah, it. they're yeah. totally they're like, "What if you make it?" You know, like, what if you do this and what if you do? They give me these these ridiculous ideas. You know, uh-huh. won't you make a cheese? Won't you draw? Yeah, won't you draw a hamburger over here and then like like a, a, a like a machine gun over there and then um, what about David Hasselhoff? What yeah. if you put him in there, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it like doesn't make any sense. And I, and I, I don't the know. The Hoffberger dude. It's so senseless that it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. And and they're they're those those two are like a huge source of of uh, ideas for me. That's kind yeah. of awesome. Yeah. They're like these little idea factories. Yeah, they're great. So they're super tuned into it's a it's a vibe. They're they're completely dialed in. Oh man, it's like in their genes. Yeah, like they mm-hmm. are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So then the humor. So talk about the humor, man. Like there's there's some interesting stuff that you do that's not painting, like <laughs> hip thrusts and um, yeah, chest bumps and that's all into that's all in the same vein of um, drawing, right? Like. Um, that, that you can make this type of drawing if it feel if it feels dumb in your body when you're making it you can make this unique type of mark right and i don't necessarily mean it's a stupid mark it might be a really serious looking violent mark but it it needs to be made in a way that feels totally wrong mm-hmm. and um and i just like the way that feels to like dance around like an idiot you know mm-hmm. and like like and make like videos like that and stuff it just feels really great. It's right. so fun. And uh, it's just like doing that without producing a drawing. Yeah. And I had uh, I had this great sculpture professor that got me interested in performance art. And I didn't know what performance art was. or any, I didn't know anything about sure. it. And she was just like, she asked uh, the class, she was like, uh, well, hang on. This was a cool thing she did. I'll, let me back up. She had this, this thing she did. I forgot what it was called. Oh, it's called Iterations. And in the beginning of uh, sculpture, um, like the semester, she would have everyone uh, have you had, you had to have a new, a totally new piece of work uh, every every week, or or even every class meeting. 
So if we met twice a week, every, every time you come back, you have to have a new piece. Mm. And um, it doesn't matter if it's a thumbtack with a rubber band tied to it, you know, and a receipt like held underneath the rubber band and like, check out my sculpture. It can be that mm-hmm. it can, it, or it can be a performance. It can be video. So like the bounds were like super wide open. She just mm-hmm. wanted to see you just burn through ideas. Right. And uh, so I was interested in performance art and uh, she showed me some stuff and I was like super excited about it. Like have you seen Heather, I, I know what's her name. Um, I can't remember her name. Sorry. Heather Locklear. No. <laughs> um, oh, I know what her name is. Sorry. Shannon. Her name is Shannon Wright. W R I G H T. I feel like I know that name. I, yeah, I'm I, bad with names, man. I'm pretty sure it's her name. Yeah. She she would do this stuff like she would um, she would put her foot in like a five gallon bucket and mm-hmm. fill it with concrete. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then she would just like sit there on the floor and like try to hammer it off yep. of her foot after it dried. Yep. And it was just this long, like brutal endurance thing. And I was fascinated with these that kind of idea. And, uh, and so you had like the pressure of, uh, each time you met as a class, you had to have a new thing. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced, I I was interested in just doing performances. And so like, I would wait until there was almost no time left to like come up with an idea and then just kind of shoot from the hip in the Mm -hmm. last like 10 seconds before it's due. Like, here's my idea. And then like, um, that started really working for me Uh and, uh, um, and then I realized there was something to that, you right? Know? So I got really interested in that, and uh, and that even doing that kind of stuff influenced the way I wanted to make um, uh, paintings and drawings. That's interesting, like that performative yeah. act yeah. of it. Yeah, that's like super in my art history brain. The um, no, it's just like a great, great thought, or just the fact that you're doing that because in my art history brain, I think about you know, the whole, there's a whole discussion on like you know, Jackson Pollock <clears throat> drip paintings, trying to remove himself action painting. And this debate was like, well, if it's not like the super serious thing, then it doesn't really matter what the object is. Cause if you're going to, you know, there was critics that would say, well, like if it's, in, if it's grounded in the action, then why do we need the painting? And then, so then what you got was the fluxus thing, which was like, well, then, then we need an, like you need an audience. If it's just the action in the audience, then we just have these happenings. And so painting, some of the the presumption of painting created the antithesis, which was like the deconstruction of it, which was performance art. It was kind of like they were they were kind of the resultant of each other. So I guess in my art history brain, it's amazing that your performance experience became enjoined to painting. It's like it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like mm-hmm. the other side of that historical kind of tension or dance or whatever you want to call that. Um, and because we're freed up, we're not dealing with like, Hey, this is the only way you can make art. These things can find their natural bent or relationship per person. And so, yeah, I guess it's like a really interesting idea for me to think about the fact that performance actually galvanizes the work because you're performing in the context of the work and you're not, you're not answering anybody's like standard. Mm -hmm. This is just, you're just kind of like processing. I mean, it sounds to me like so much is super intuitive. Yeah. Um, for you. Well, the performance, making performance art, I, I was actually making performance art before I was really interested in painting. So I was taking, I was taking drawing classes and stuff like that. And then I got introduced into all this, these like ideas in sculpture and, mm-hmm. and uh, performance. And, uh, and then that started to change the way paintings looked. Right. And, uh, and so, 
yeah, it, it was really helpful to me to, like I wanted to, um, the I wanted the act of making a painting to be as fun as mm -hmm. doing a performance. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that stuff is happening when I'm making something. It's just, I don't record it, yeah. you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of necessary for the thing to feel right for the, I, I want the experience to be fun too. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to laugh at what I'm doing. Yeah. I laugh at myself. And so it's just a, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. How, how much are you making? I mean, are you in the studio every day? Yeah. Every day, all day. Every day. Yeah. For the most part, I, I very rarely take a day off and I, um, I'm, you know, I live in the same building too. So I, gotcha. live, I, I live in just a different part of the building. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I can be up there whenever I want. And, uh, and that's really good for, for our family. Like I have, um, my two kids have pretty much always been homeschooled. Mm -hmm. Like, and so we're always all together. Mm -hmm. And so like dad's just always upstairs yeah. in, the, in the studio. And, um, so I, I bounce back and forth up and down the stairs to, um, in and out of the studio, but I'm, I'm generally in there, um, all day. And then mm -hmm. I, you know, I come back late at night and, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm just producing work yeah. all the time. Yeah, so your contact with it, your proximity and your contact are, are like so so together that it it allows for you to actually just be intuitive and step in. Like the rhythms are very different. It sounds like yeah, it, yeah. I've I've done I've done it in different ways too. Like I had um, uh, a residency in Madrid and then um, a residency in Berlin, um, where I was, you know, living in a different place from the studio. And I'd have to, you know, take the, like in Berlin, I was taking like a series of trains to the studio and, uh, and then I would have to walk for a ways. And that's beneficial too, because you're just like passing by all this, like all these ideas and all this visual and, and all this information. And so those kind of things get into your work. But um, sometimes that space between when I wake up in the morning and I feel like, bam, I've, I've got it. Yes, right now. Um, the amount of time that it takes for me to get to the next, to the place, um, to the studio is long enough for me to change my mind. Mm -hmm. And, and that sometimes that can be a good thing because you bring things you learned on your route. Mm -hmm. But like, um, right now I'm really liking the, the idea that I can be, I can be like washing dishes and be like, Oh wait, that's it. And, yeah. I, and I'll put it down and I run up there and I'll make this one decision. And, and it works because it's not being overly considered. Yeah. But that also, like I said, uh, is something that I, I like residencies for mm -hmm. is like I would be honestly right now if I was going to do another residency, I'd be looking for a residency in which I lived in one place and the studio was in another place. Gotcha. And I just broke that broke that rhythm that up rhythm. some. So it's yeah. good to do that mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was going to ask you one of the other questions that, that was coming to my mind was like what – like what is there is there stuff that'd be surprising for people to know about you like as far as things that motivate you or gas you up or you know just like outside of the field of making directly you know is there is there like sources of inspiration or uh just things that kind of like geek you out you know um that you geek out over or uh that that may or may not directly seem to link to your work I mean, do, do you have things like that like i mean i don't know i mean we, we've got some people are are it's in the studio itself um you know, some people like, I don't know, um, yeah, they, they collect butterflies or I don't know, or they, you know, like there's things that they do that, that it, 
doesn't directly line up, but is is definitely an active ingredient in freeing them to the work. I don't know. I got to think about that. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Hot dogs, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Let me think about that. Like, I'm a reader. So reading for some reason, I don't know why, but reading makes me want to make art. It's weird. I don't I, mean, I don't think it's a ne- necessarily a causal connection between them, but um, if I read enough, then I start wanting to make art, not because I'm displeased with reading. It's just the way my it's the way I work. Huh. You know, for some yeah. people that would be super boring. You know, that yeah. would not be that's not going to ju- juice everybody up, but for some reason it does for me. No, mine are, mine are pretty actually it, it my influences or the things I, I like doing mm-hmm. uh, are pretty much uh, I'm just kind of always in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so like music yep. and stuff like that mm-hmm. is it's all like that's pretty much like I like certain music makes me want to make yep. work and um, looking at art makes me want to make art. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I know I'm not like, you know, um, every time I, you know, feed um, giraffes at the zoo, I'm like. God, I want to make a painting, you know? Like, I think uh, you should try that. I wish I had something like that. Maybe yeah. I got to try something like that. Yeah, I think feeding different. giraffes is yeah. exactly it. Like, whenever I look at llama pictures, yeah. God, I want to make a painting, <laughs> you know? So. Boy, so. <laughs> Jesus, you know? I hope you know, like, my kids have, like, they sing uh, want, want More Hot Dogs from the Hot Dog Sand. <laughs> oh, that song? That song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My kids sing that, and then they've recorded themselves singing that into devices that change mm-hmm. their voices. Oh, it's funny. And then so they've sent those to my kids. To their kids. Well, <laughs> well that's cool. Hot dog from the hot dog. <laughs> I was actually experimenting with a new version of that the other day. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just making like a full-on a full-on version of it, but uh, just kind of making, maybe even making a whole bunch of songs that are just only about hot dogs. Yeah. It's just different variations of the same thing. Yeah. And just kind of beating the idea to death. Yeah. Uh, that's fun sometimes. Absolutely. To, to just beat it to death. Which oh. is so banal, you know? Yeah. God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> the hot dogs. Um, Listen, I've tried that with several things that are still going on strong. Like yeah. I've, I've beat the crap out of Taco Bell and I can't let it go. Hey, you know what I was thinking about? This is totally off topic. I was thinking about this morning uh, when I was pumping gas. Um, uh, I over, I, w- I was overhearing somebody talking about uh, sports at, at like one of the other gas pumps, and uh, I can't remember what they were talking about, but it was some reference to sports or you know, dudes sit around and talk about like their team and stuff. And I've never really been interested in in, in team sports, but like, um, I've always liked. Uh, humor that's sometimes where it's telling you something that you already know, uh-huh. but it kind of like it can lure you in and then like kind of spring this trap on you of like, yeah, idiot, we already know that. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like art that does that too. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was thinking about that this morning. I was pumping gas and there was this guy talking about sports and I was like, you know, you know when you hear like um, sportscaster guys um, watching a game mm-hmm. and they'll be like... Um, they're like, I'll tell you what, if these guys are going to win this game, you know, they've got they've got to switch out that center and do this. And, 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 they, and they talk about like the strategy, what it's going to take for yeah. them to win. You know, yeah. I've always liked stuff like where you sound like you're really knowledgeable about yeah. it. Like if you're at a if you're at a cookout with somebody or, if, or, or whatever and they're like watching the game, uh-huh. uh, I've always loved doing this being like um, uh, like especially if they don't know that I'm not really into sports uh-huh. and, be, and then be like um I'll tell you what, man, 
If these guys want to win this game, they're going to have to score more points than the other team. That's going to have to happen. <laughs> it's just got to happen. They're going to have to make more baskets than the other guys if they're going to win. Yeah, if the, it, it, it's and it's yeah. in the it's in the setup. I too. love that. If they're going to win, yeah, yeah, these guys, yeah. <laughs> and and then like people just look at you like like you're an idiot. <laughs> That's right. I've always loved that. Listen, they're going to have to have five people on the court if they're going to play ball. I mean, yeah. there's no way around it. Yeah. My <laughs> friends used to get mad at me. My, a lot of my military friends were, like, into sports and stuff. And, like, you know, when, like, the Green Bay Packers would win, they'd be like, yeah, you know. And uh-huh. it was, like, the biggest thing ever. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd be at, like, these, like, f- you know, sporting party things. And I, I would be like, uh, like um, yeah, yeah, like, it's – it's like when they win, it's like I win too. It's like a like 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 I kind of win too because they won. And they're like, "Shut the hell up, Taylor." <laughs> my, I've, I've even done that recently around my wife, and she's like, "You're an asshole. That's not funny." It's like I'm just it's making a, fun that, of people. Yeah, that's how thin the facade is. <laughs> that you by just by yeah, rephrasing yeah. it, just by rephrasing <laughs> it and not being like behold to it, then it's like done. Yeah. You've killed it. I've like I like art that does that too though, so that's super fun. I was looking at this thing. You know this artist, um we might want to look this up, uh, uh Jesper Just. Mm. Oh man. Jesper Just. Uh, he has this um, work. It's called. Uh, hang on, real quick. Let me find it here. Uh, oh, it's called Servitudes. If you look up this uh, Servitudes by Jesper Just, it's this um, this girl that's eating uh, corn with these um, hand, these these robotic things on her hands that are like made for for um, like. Uh, retraining your muscles and stuff if like you've had some kind of injury or mm. if you have some kind of disability and it teaches you how to use your hands and uh there's these like little servo motors like <laughs> and they like, help you like close your hands and stuff and she's just sitting there like trying to eat corn with these things on that she doesn't need <laughs> and um man it's great <laughs> you know it's so great and it's something about that i just love like the like i'm i'm i already know how to do this thing it's obvious that i don't need this thing yeah, uh-huh. I like that. No, I'm, now I'm kind of rambling now, but <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. No, we, yeah, we we watched the hot dog song uh, more than I care to admit. It's a lot more. <laughs> well, I'm, highly, I'm honored. Yeah, well, highly right for me. I think it's also just it's a nice it's a nice reprieve. I like what you said about uh, non heroic things that become heroic. Yeah, in the fact that they're non heroic, like like that resonates because I think sometimes, uh, especially if you're around the art world a lot mm-hmm. there's a fatigue that can kind of set in sometimes yeah because uh and, and which is one of the things i think i appreciate about the way that you even uh present yourself within social media mm. is that you know i don't know how many artist uh profiles do you pull up and it's just like a painting smack dab in the middle of an image yeah. over and over and over and over again um with no peek into like the fact that they're like a real human, like I don't know, are these just robotically made things and they're just thrown up there? And yeah, you know, there's no humanity behind it. There's no, no humor, no joy, no any of that. That's one of the things that's I think was one <clears throat> one of the reasons why like um, well, Instagram is so m- much more important than an artist's website or something. Yeah, I think so. Websites are kind of like these business cards. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. kind of like you're supposed to have. Yeah, and uh, 
and it's a good thing to have, but still, um, it's a good place to like park your like artist statement and yep. whatever. But like, uh, but Instagram is a place where you can kind of see behind the scenes yep. of, of how something is made. And then sometimes you see, you know, really formal pictures like that. Yeah. And then you, you know, then you see like, uh, just, you know, like a behind the scenes look at an artist. So I think that's, that's, that's really important. That's, mm-hmm. that's one, that's one of the reasons why it's been so successful, I think with artists. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, you know, uh, Instagram, I said it before, but like, dude, I, without Instagram, I mean, like curating shows, you know, doing what, what we've done at Shaco Art Space owes a lot of allegiance to the benefits of um, Instagram. Because, yeah, how like, would you find all these artists? Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't. You know? They're I mean, all they, on there. Nope. Yeah, and there's like, you know, there's like real connections. So like, um, we're talking about Alan. Like, there's there's people that I've connected with that have become like real friends. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. not fake. It, just because they don't live near them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's like a sincere connection and engagement around like shared values or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that is like, and there's camaraderie in it. You know, I've experienced camaraderie from real people where, um, you know, and then there's some, there's just a lot of terrible stuff where you're like, these are robots liking robots. Like, like this is not even real, real. Oh yeah. You know, you're like this, Mm -hmm. how does this person have like 9 million followers? Like I don't, I don't understand this. How, how did this happen? Or you get that one like DM and it's like, it's like a supermodel that has, that has one post and one follower yes. and, and no pictures. And yes. it's like, Hey, what's up? Yeah, that's right. Like, You're a robot. Get out of here, robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Stupid it's, robot. Yeah. That's yeah. fun too. I've, have you ever gotten a conversation with them? No. Oh, you should I'm always uh, too afraid to, man. I don't want to get a virus or something weird, man. I don't think you do unless they like open some kind of link or anything like yeah. that. But uh, if you, if you, sometimes if you talk to them, it's so funny. It's like, you're clearly talking to like a computer program, but it's fun to just keep it going. Weird. Yeah, like, like what's up? And I'll be like, not much. How about you? And then you just get into this long conversation, and their and their their things are like, uh, their 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 um, comments are just super like, oh cool, that's great. <laughs> I like you, you know. And it's it's so great. It's fun if you just keep going with it, or if you give really 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 long <laughs> answers, <laughs> like four paragraphs. Just cut and paste your thesis. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should do that then. I'm missing out on some entertainment value in my life, I think. And yeah, I yeah. get those, dude. You get those, man. You're oh, like, yeah. Who, yeah. Who is this person? Man? Yeah, like, you're not a supermodel. You're a robot. Yeah, get out of here, robot. AI, AI robot. Um, <laughs> so, um, what, so what do you got coming up, man? What, where can people find you? I know we talked about Instagram ad nauseum, yeah. but... Um, I've got a, uh, a few things. I've got a, uh, an ongoing show right now at uh, ADA or Ada Gallery mm-hmm. in uh, Richmond. And that's got a, a group of new paintings that are there. Uh, those are, most of those are, um, some of them are non, non-rectilinear paintings or made out of, uh, some of them are made entirely out of cardboard, like, like layer and layer and la- on top of layer of cardboard. And, um, and some are well, on more traditional surfaces and stuff like that. So uh, that show up will be that show will be up for a few more weeks. And then um, let's see, I've got a uh, a group show that I'm going to be doing in uh, Antwerp um, with uh, New Child Gallery, and they're a, they're a new gallery that's there that mm. I've been talking to for a little while now. And uh, that's a that's a group show with I think two other artists and. Uh, that's that's really it for the 
for the short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, maybe before we go, how's yeah. COVID? How's COVID affected uh, stuff for you, man? If you, oh yeah, curious. Yeah. Uh, COVID has. Uh, uh, I've been like hyper productive mm-hmm. during during this time. Um, I mean, I'm always in my studio, but now I'm even more encouraged. So I'm not you know, like going out to restaurants or doing anything else. And yeah. Uh, really going to see family all that often and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm kind of always in there. Yeah. And so, and it also like in the beginning of it, now we're all kind of getting like used to COVID. Yeah. And like, we're all like, okay, I'm probably not going to die, mm-hmm. you know, like st- statistically. Mm-hmm. But like in the beginning of it, it, it was like, oh man, I might die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so um, in the beginning of it, I was using it even if it's fake, you know, in my mind, like if, if I die next month, like what would be the last thing I made, Uh you know, and like, like exaggerate it like that in your mind, you know, and like make it like, it's probably not going to happen, but yeah. But, um, yeah, like create this exaggeration of it, uh, to, to just, you know, to make, make weird things happen or new things happen or maybe more panicked things happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Work faster than you normally would. Yeah. And so, um, so I, yeah, I was exper- I was kind of playing around with that idea of uh, kind of over-dramatizing it. Not mm. that you shouldn't. I mean, it's really crazy. But yeah, I've been, I've, I've been probably more productive than normal. Do you find that people are still buying art? I mean, you find yourself selling work or galleries able to, yeah. you know, uh, collect work still or, I mean, because there is, there is a necessary reality to that if you're working as an artist I mean, yeah people are buying people are um people are buying paintings like all over the place now during yeah. during right in the middle of covid in the beginning there was like this big slump in the beginning for like the first f- three or four months mm-hmm. where it was like you like it all it kind of started to get quiet mm-hmm. and then it kind of weirdly just started turning back on like people maybe they got sick of sitting around the house for a while and they started looking at art again or um or like the 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 comfortability that people have with with buying uh, um, art f- based on an image mm-hmm. is getting even stronger now, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, that's been I've 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 seen um, pretty not, not much change mm-hmm. from 2019 really, but uh, yeah, but I mean yeah, it, it, like I did say like like in the beginning there was this big slump and it started to pick back up yeah uh, yeah so there's a lot of things that are kind of i don't know they're kind of all kind of mashing together into this kind of static that Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier with like the uh here's another online viewing room kind of link yeah and uh um you know so those things are getting kind of tired now i think Mm -hmm. but uh I understand it though, I mean, because galleries are like, well, how how else am I gonna yeah this it's, work? It's know? a question, yeah. man. It's like yeah. a question, you know, trying to think about the future. In um, you know, even doing shows, and you think like, normally, I mean, you know, for an opening, you want as many people in there as possible. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is, and then you hope that people come back. So you, you know, you're, you're hoping for both. You're hoping for the quiet days, people coming in. Yeah, but you want as many people out as possible. It's kind of the thing. And then now this COVID thing hits and it's like, what do we, what do you want to have happen? Like, what's the function of the gallery? It's caused me to like rethink galleries altogether. Mm-hmm. I don't have answers for it yet, but it's definitely like an exercise in, in thinking for that, which I take for granted, I guess, like the things that I'm like, yeah, 
that's just what it always is. Now, now I've, I'm thinking about all of it, but yeah, there is a, there is an online fatigue that people talk about, a Zoom fatigue, like gallery fatigue online, and trying to think like trying to project into the future. You know, like we got shows lined up for like three years, mm-hmm. so it's like, what does that mean now? You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's challenging. It's hard hard to know. Galleries are also doing all kinds of stuff now. I, I think there's an interesting future. Uh, ahead and I'm not a gallerist I yeah. try not to think I try I honestly I tried not to think too much about yep. like the art market you know all that kind of stuff and just just think about your work think yep. about ideas but uh, uh a lot of galleries now are, are starting to do interesting things like uh uh not not just online viewing rooms and stuff like that but they're starting to cooperate together and and like uh um and and work together in, in ways they haven't before where they're so they can be so cutthroat yep. and like, you know, yep. and, uh, and sometimes there there's ideas now with these like, uh, art fairs where galleries are sharing art fair booths and stuff. That's not necessarily all that new, but sure. But, um, they're splitting the cost of those kinds yep. of things or having these, um, these different like art fair models where, mm-hmm. you know, um, galleries still make some amount of money even if they don't sell anything Mm -hmm. that was a thing uh, i can't remember who was doing that it was untitled i can't remember which which fair it was that was doing something like that but anyway um yeah there's there's some interesting things that are happening out there um because of maybe because of covid or right yeah Mm -hmm. How, how much how much do you how much do you sort of um i mean you show with ada and so are you are you going to shows in Richmond or are you tending to see a lot of shows outside of Richmond? Like do you you know what I'm saying as a maker? Yeah. I mean since I've since I've lived here, I, I go to I go to a fair amount of shows that are here. I go to most of the things that are at that Ada at Ada Gallery. Um, and I go to um, I have a friend, uh, Mary Fleming. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Name sounds from I'm bad with names, man. Yeah, but I think I, she I, went I, to VCU. Yeah, she went to VCU. She, yeah, she is she a ceramicist? Is she a? She's kind of co- all. Sculpt? She makes a lot of stuff. Yeah, okay. it's like yeah. Uh, craft and yep, like craft printmaking. And, yeah, I know Mary and stuff. But anyway, um, she was putting on these shows at this place uh, across the street from Reynolds Gallery. Mm-hmm. It's called like the Steel Group. Okay, but I don't I don't know if she's using that spot anymore. But anyway, I was going to those shows. Yeah, and there was some really cool stuff that she she's got a really good eye. Right. Really good, yeah. Um, she's got interesting artists that she's able to to get into this these like kind of small venues like that. Yeah, she was showing this guy from Virginia Beach or Newport. I can't remember which one. Um, Hampton Boyer. Mm-hmm. Do you know his work? I do know that name. Yeah, yeah. he's a really cool painter. Yeah, and uh, she was showing his work, and uh, it's kind of it's 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 gutsy stuff for uh, a, a young a gallerist to show. You know, yep. it's not like. Uh, um, his his stuff is is very very raw mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah. Well, I don't I don't really know how to talk about his work. His work's good though. Look look up Hampton Boyer for sure. But uh, yeah, and I go to the VMFA every yeah. once in a while, and I'm kind of always hoping that they'll switch out some new work in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of always the same stuff. But yeah, it still is cool to go in there and. See. I do love the VMFA. Yeah, I wish they. I mean, they've got a great collection. I wish they, I, w- I do wish there was a little more activity. Yeah. Um, they probably need one of your your pieces in that. Collection. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah. 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 I might write him a letter. And <laughs> why isn't this the case? Yeah. With like a hot dog stain. <laughs> like it'll be a video 
and I'll just have a hot dog pointing to the piece of paper that says sign here, <laughs> sign here, sign over, <laughs> sign the check, and it'll just be the hot dog pointing as the finger. There's some yeah. good. There's some good work in there. I mean, I, there's mm-hmm. a there's a great uh, Helen Frankenthaler painting yeah. there yes. that I always look at, and there's a a really great Twombly yep. the mm-hmm. synopsis of of a battle or synopsis of battle painting. Yep, that's great, and uh, that and some. Kiefer, Kiefer, yep. his name. Yep. that's a great. That's just fantastic. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I I'm love Philip Gustin, so I'll go look at it. Oh a yeah, I forgot. There's a Gustin. Yeah. There's a Gustin yeah. there, yeah. and um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's great. Yeah, there's great stuff there. There's great stuff happening in Richmond. I hope. I hope we all, for all of our sakes, that uh, things kind of bounce back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you know the the naive optimist says you know, to me says that maybe it bounces back better. Kind of like what you're saying, like. You know, maybe galleries can deal with not being so cutthroat, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there know. might be also like once once there's a a, va- uh, a vaccine and it's really actually traveled through uh, the world, mm-hmm. and you know, and it, and it might take maybe, maybe a couple of years. I know, but I think that there's like a coming like economic explosion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after that, where people are just you know. I think it might be a really, really great time for 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 art galleries, right? In the future, um, that's interesting. I haven't yeah. heard anybody say that before. Yeah, it's way. kind of like this. Um, you know, when like a tsunami hits, like the the ocean kind of recedes way out, mm-hmm. and then there's this massive like building crushing tsunami. <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like we're in right now. There's like this like huge uh, like drawing out to sea, and then this massive wave being formed. Yeah, I, I often. Uh, think about that for maybe 2022 2024 interesting something like that yeah, yeah. i'm gonna hold you to this dude <laughs> and if, it does, <laughs> if it doesn't work out this way coming yeah. for you <laughs> yeah man so yeah hold me to that yeah yeah, right. <laughs> yeah i'm also an economist judging by your work you're clearly an economist right I mean, yeah yeah and, you know i've read a lot of uh facebook articles <laughs> yep. and like cracked article i've read a lot of that stuff i so, only read the ones with yeah. disclaimers that's yeah. how i know that there's truth to them yeah, it's, so, it's just got yeah. a disclaimer it says this is not true i've done a lot of research i've listened to a lot of podcasts yep so do you fi- i don't finish the podcast but as long as i no. introduce myself you yeah. get well, enough I, of the I, idea i listen to it until i find something that agrees with what i already think yeah and then i turn it off yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah that's what's gonna happen efficiency yeah <laughs> that's what works best for me that's right <laughs> i'm always right yeah yeah you're guaranteed yeah i like i like uh Guaranteed outcomes, mm-hmm. man. That's that's what I'm into. That's my practice, actually. Yeah, that's my own personal <laughs> practice. Yeah, that's where I go. Um, you got anything, Gareth? Before we close, any? Did we, we got any? No, answers? I've just been sitting here just soaking this up, man. Yeah, like, I'm great. just I'm just happy to hear uh, this, and just um, yeah, your experiences are fantastic. Uh, your work is wonderful, and I always love uh, kind of getting a peek behind the curtain. Um, and so uh, I know Ryan mentioned this earlier, but hopefully a studio visits in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just down the street, man. I'm yeah, like, I'm like. Four minutes from you. Five, gotcha. five minutes. So I think I realize yeah. that. Definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Definitely. Well, uh, yeah, look for more from Taylor in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, more from us. We got uh, the launch of a... You want to say anything about the... Yeah, I think, you know, we got a, we got an album with our good friend Ken that uh, is is out now. Uh, we'll have some, you know, if you're, if you're still one of those people that likes to rock an old school CD in your car or something, we'll have those in a little bit. CDs um, are coming because Ken loves CDs. It Ken, has, well, Ken. I mean, it's it's the one upgrade he has in his car. Yeah. So he yep. put the CD player in there and 
I mean, you have to see this thing. It's uh, it stands out. Uh, yep. Yeah, we may just post a photo of it on our Instagram just so you can see how odd uh, Ken's CD player is in his car. Um, but he's super proud of it. Um, you know, it. Uh, I think he said it hits. Yep, it hits. So, so Ken will be on. Uh, Coming up, I think we got him on coming on next week to talk about the album a little bit. Yeah, he's he's uh he's referring he referred to to me the other night as uh, as his PR tour, and I was like, you're, you're just talking to us. Yeah, like it's not how much yeah. of a tour, but he's he's pumped. So, no, he's pumped, I, so I don't know what that means for our conversation. So yeah, so it's Ken Gibberson Band presents That's a Rap Volume Two, something you can ride to. Yeah, and you it's can mouthful. find that everywhere. Yeah, I it's think. on uh, Apple Music, it's on uh, YouTube yeah. Music, Amazon. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, like pretty much anywhere you get your music, it'll be there. So put that on repeat. Everybody loves it. It's I think it's the most important album of 2020. Yeah, it's uh closing out 2020. It's the it's the album that 2020 needs, not the album that 2020 deserves. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it and Ken's vocals if you had to summarize uh 2020 into someone's vocal style, it's actually Ken. Yeah, he's a haphazard warbler. Right. I'd put it that way. Yep. So it's it's excellent. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, you've been a, a great audience. Thanks again, Taylor, for being yes, here with thank us. Thank you so much. This is yeah, fantastic. And uh, we uh, y'all are great. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Take it easy. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.